happy. We can talk about that some more after we talk with uh, this guy right here. Brian Windhorst of ESPN joins us now on Score North Live. And by the way, you can uh, catch Brian's podcast. He is the host of the Hoop Collective podcast. New episodes every Sunday and Thursday, wherever you find your podcast. Brian, welcome to the show. How are you this afternoon? Well, the one-game winning streak was fun. I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't it, though? Target Center was electric uh, against the Clippers, Brian. Brian, before we get into the basketball, can, can can I get into your Twitter game a little bit here? And folks can follow you at Windhorst ESPN. It's been at least six or seven days in a row now where you've sent out tweets just talking about the marvelousness of the NBA. This one was uh, earlier today, actually. You said Spencer Dinwiddie hit a game-winner for the Nets. Nuggets overcame a 23-point deficit and Rajon Rondo had one of the biggest scoring quarters of his career. Almost every night, something great happens in the NBA. And every tweet is tagged with, almost every night, something great happens in the NBA. Were you hired by the NBA for PR, Brian Windhorst? Is that what's going on here? Actually, I think I'm trying to send the NBA a message. And I'm also trying, you know, quite frankly, to send maybe my own company a message. Because I think one of the things that's happened in recent years is we've forgotten about the game. We've forgotten about what the reason the NBA is so popular across the world, which is the game. We don't focus enough on the greatness of the game, of, of, of an average night in January, an average night in December. Um, I think the game night to night is an incredible place right now, but we focus so much um, nationally um, on what is what issues are or transactions or this guy's angry at this guy or this uh, Instagram post. And while I think there's room for all that, and I think it engages people, I think we're forgetting about the game. You know, um, Damian Lillard is having one of the greatest six weeks of play that you could ever see, absolutely exploding in the league. He's chasing the eighth seed, and he's proud of it. He says, yeah, I'm not going to win the title this year. I realize that. But we're not going to tank, and I'm proud that I want to make the eighth seed. I want to make the playoffs. And I think, you know, it goes back to something that David Stern, frankly, would say a lot, which, you know, over the course of his 30 years as commissioner, there were times where the NBA hit some recessions. And he always said um, the, the, the greatness of the game is what carries this. And we have a host of terrific players under the age of 25 um, you know, the Bucks are having a spectacular season. The Raptors are having a spectacular season. I just mentioned Dame Lillard. Trey Young is putting up 40-point games left and right. Every single night there is something to celebrate, and I don't think as a, as a national fan base and national media partners we're doing a good enough job, and this is frankly my crusade to try to get people to talk about it, and the fact that you're noticing it, frankly, is what I'm, is what I'm going for. Very nice. <laughs> why why do, do you think that is a, a lacking element right now, Brian? To your point. Well, I, mean, I think um, because the, the, the short-term numbers tell us that people care more about the drama. People you know, only want to hear about the Lakers and the Knicks. Um, and I just think that while that's overall true, um, the, the fact that the Knicks and Lakers have been poor for the last seven or eight years has affected the NBA ratings without question. Uh, I, I think that's, uh, that's important. I think we forget what built the game up in the first place. You know, the reason that the, that the, that millions of Chinese, uh, people love the NBA is because they loved watching Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. Not because, um, you know, they thought that, uh, LaMelo Ball drove a cool car. <laughs> and it's okay to talk about LaMelo Ball's car, but there's gotta be room for, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie hitting a game winner. 
Um, you know, two nights ago, Boyan Bogdanovich hitting a game winner in, in, in Houston, which is as good of a shot as you'll ever see. And I think we don't, we don't celebrate the daily greatness of this league as much as we should. Talking with Brian Windhorst of ESPN here on Score North Live and catch his podcast, the Hoop Collective podcast, everywhere that you can find podcasts right now. Can you give us an idea of what kind of we, – we see the box scores, numbers tell a story, and obviously we see highlights of D'Angelo Russell before he becomes a member of the Timberwolves. Can you tell us what kind of guy or what kind of competitor he is? Because I think that's, that's more important to some Wolves fans when you look at the culture and the tone that's been set here with the Timberwolves. It's great the guy can shoot it, and obviously they, they needed that, especially with the new system. But what kind of competitor is D'Angelo Russell? Well, he is the type of guy, even, even dating back to his days at Ohio State, where he can flat-out win you a game by his ability to, to fill it up. When he gets hot, um, he's one of these guys that can, that can put up 40 any night, and he can have a bad first half and put up 30 in the second half. Um, he can, you know, he will really leave you over the course of a season with some special moments. And he's got this shot. He shoots the ball so straight up in the air that he's, he's sometimes impervious to defense. Um, where at times you're like, there's people all over him and he can still, he can still make it. Um, unfortunately, he's, he's inconsistent on that. And he's also not proven to be a great defender in his career. Now, it's a, it's, I mean, let's just be honest. It's a red flag here that he's in his fifth season and he's, he's on his fourth team. Now, there's, a, there's an asterisk there and that the, the Nets would have kept him if they didn't have to make room to bring in Kevin Durant. So it's not really fair to say that. But nonetheless, you know, I, I think you know, we've had a couple of teams. You know, the, um, the, uh, the Lakers actually, you know, sort of used him as a, as a, as a chip to get rid of a bad contract. Um, and the, uh, you know, in my mind, the, the Warriors sold low on him. I thought that the, that the Timberwolves and from, and from an asset standpoint won that trade. Um, and that's a little bit worrisome. Um, I think the big challenge with him playing with Carl Towns, I think offensively, we're going to see nights where they just light up the building and they have nights where they both score 30 and they're chest bumping and having great times. But guys, and we saw this immediately last night, teams are going to put those two guys in the pick and roll and they're going to attack them. And you're going to have to have some good defensive strategy because they can be victimized defensively. And we're in an era in the NBA right now where people don't care as much about that. You know, uh, go ahead and burn me at one end. I'll burn you twice <laughs> often on the other end. And that may be the, I mean, that's where the Rockets come from. The Rockets play the, the numbers and that's where Gerson Rosas was, um, was raised. So, I mean, maybe that's just the way he wants to play and it could work, but I'm just telling you right now, defensively, that's, that's going to be a, a, a sore spot. I, I predict. So post all, all these trades, Brian, how much improved or how much better do you think the Timberwolves are as a team versus the team that we were uh, watching stumble through what a couple of double, double digit losing streaks a few weeks yeah. ago? Guys, I came to Minnesota in, uh, in November and I spent three days around the team and I prepared this story. Uh, I talked to a whole bunch of players, had a great interview with Andrew Wiggins. Probably, you know, I've been talking to Andrew Wiggins since he was a rookie. The best interview I've ever had with him, spent time with Ryan Saunders, um, you know, listened to Gerson and Ryan talk about their family atmosphere and really thought, I mean, I'm not so sure I was predicting they win 50 games, but I thought they were on the right track. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the story never ran because by the time it was set to run, you know, 
things had gone south. Uh, Carl got hurt shortly thereafter, um, and then now the story will never run because all the pl- literally all the players I interviewed for it are gone. <laughs> They're all gone. I've never seen a team br- trade for eight players in the middle of a season. I mean, that was wild. Um, so, so obviously that group of players, regardless of what anybody thought about them was not a good collection of players. It did not work. I mean, I think that was uh, plain as day. So they had to make changes. Um, and like I said, um, I, I have to take my hat off to Glenn Taylor here. Uh, Glenn Taylor did something that I've almost never seen before. I don't have the complete list of NBA transactions in history to compare it to. But for a guy who I think they had the third worst team in the league, an owner willing to go into the luxury tax, I mean, normally you see teams that are bad midway through the season, you know, cutting off fingers and toes to get out of the tax. He was willing to go into the tax at the middle of the season as, as, as a part of all these moves. And his willingness to go into the tax led them, and in my mind, to win the, the, that trade. Now, we'll see what happens ultimately with D'Angelo, but they moved off Wiggins and got Russell and only had to give basically two draft picks. Um and they didn't have to go up this year's pick, which I, you know, this is the year that I think they're going to have the higher pick. But I do think it's a little bit worrisome, again, that basically what the Warriors are doing from a financial standpoint, they are shorting the Wolves. They are saying, we're sending you D'Angelo Russell, and we don't think it's going to work. And we don't think it's going to work so strongly that we don't even want your 2020 pick when the, when the draft isn't as deep. We think you're still going to suck next year, and we're going to take your pick next year. Good luck with this guy. Meanwhile, the Wolves are like, take Wiggins off our hands. Just get him out of here. Um, great. He had, 25 point, he had 25 points, and they lost in his first game. We've seen that 50 times. So, like, it's interesting. Two teams are both sort of thinking that they got the better end of the deal. I guess we'll see. Brian, one more for you real quick. What would you say right now is the perception of Carl Anthony Towns around this league? Because my perception of him completely changed while they were going through their recent struggles. This is a guy who, when things got tough on the court or off the court, he seemed to just crumble or completely disappear for this Wolves organization when they needed him most from a culture standpoint, from a setting the tone standpoint. He just he just disappeared for this organization. What do people think of Carl Anthony Towns around this league? I think people believe him to be a spectacularly talented player, one of the most talented guys of his size ever to play in the NBA. Has a chance to be a Hall of Famer, quite frankly. Uh, you know, uh, but um, frankly, whines a lot. Uh, blames other people for things, and most importantly, when the chips are down, has proven to be soft, especially defensively. Um, you know, which going back to his rookie year, I remember his rookie year when they played out in Golden State. I can't remember if they won that game or they almost won the game, but I remember seeing him like they would put him in a switch, and he'd be out on the perimeter defensively. You know competing, trying to stay in front of Steph Curry. And I was so impressed with him. And just defensively, he has withered away to nothing. And so, like, you know, if you're going to play as a seven-footer in the NBA right now and succeed, you're going to have to get it done uh, against smaller guys, which means you're going to have to work defensively. And he has not shown that. He's shown offensively to be super talented. But, I mean, the results speak for themselves about how that overall works. 
That is Brian Windhorst, host of the Hoop Collective podcast, available every Sunday and Thursday. New episodes wherever you find your podcast. Also catch him on The Jump, SportsCenter, ESPN.com. He's everywhere that ESPN is talking NBA and our guest for the last few minutes here on Score North Live. Brian, really appreciate it. Hope we can do it again sometime soon. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. There's Brian Windhorst joining us on Score North Live. Slinging arrows, man. I'm backing away from the mic right now because the fastball went right below my chin. (laughs) And it hit me. Oh, buddy. I'm okay with that. Whoa. Man. Coming in hot. I believe in the business we call that a lot to unpack. A lot to unpack. Let's let's regroup and try and unpack it and hockey stuff. Right after Let's this. Let's do that hockey. On score Here's North the Live. word soft. On 1500, score